0: But it's actually been really fantastic because it's not just been people reading it and sort of site visits. We've had a lot of people interacting with us and reaching out to say that they think what is being put on offer, this sort of alternative material, is really valuable.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Mountain Cosmos. I'm your host, Rochelle Gilmore, a ski instructor and an all-round mountain-loving person. And this podcast is about capturing the many different facets of mountain life. I usually split my time between winters in Australia and Jackson Hole in the States. At the moment, I'm at home in Perth in Western Australia, where there are no mountains, if you didn't know that. So I guess I'm just here collecting stories and waiting for life to get a little bit more normal before I head back to the mountains, and who knows when that is going to be. But anyway, so in this episode, I sit down and have a chat with the founders of a new website called The Ski Instructor Diaries. It's two girls based out of the UK. They are pretty new ski instructors, Ori Lister and Georgie Cunningham. Though they only have a couple of seasons under their belt, don't let that fool you. They have been writing about things which I say most, if not all, snow sports instructors can relate to. They decided there was a gap which needed to be filled. There were no other independent websites about what it's like to be a ski instructor. So that was the beginning of the Ski Instructor Diaries. They launched the site in June, so they're just at the beginning of their journey in this space, but the girls tell me that they've been getting some great traction and support from people around the world, and I've noticed some of their articles popping up in quite a few different spaces, and that is why I decided to get them on the show. In this chat, we get to know them and why they started the site, as well as touch on ski instructing and being a legitimate career path. If you are a ski instructor who is listening, you would know that being a ski instructor, you're constantly being questioned about your career by people who are out of the ski industry. I know that I can definitely relate. But anyway, I don't want to hold this conversation up any longer. It is time to meet the brains behind the Ski Instructor Diaries. So maybe, Ori, do you want to go first? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about Hi. yourself. Hi, I'm Ori. I did a maths and
0: physics degree at university before I decided to go to Argentina and train to become a ski instructor. From there, I went to Japan and after coming back from Japan, I talked with Georgie, who I met on the course and decided to set up ski instructor diaries. And Georgie... Tell
2: us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Georgie. I did my degree in psychology um, at Oxford Brookes University. I graduated last year and then decided to go to Argentina for four months. Um, I went to Bariloche to do my ski instructor course where I'm at Ori. Um, I also spent three months in Buenos Aires and then I went to Kittsbull where I did my first ski instructing season. got cut short slightly to COVID and then that's when me and Ori decided to set up this website.
1: Cool, I like that. Okay, so I know that you haven't listened to many of my other podcasts yet but when I have guests on the show I like to ask them what they love about the mountains like what's the draw Ori do you want to go first
0: you know for me when I go out to the mountains it's that absolute sense of being free I kind of grew up with the mountains being my holidays Like as a little kid. And when I got to university again, it was like that freedom from sort of pressure and all this kind of thing where you had to be perfect, you had to be this, you had to be that. You just go into the mountains and you're in this absolutely amazing environment and you're just completely free and it's this really incredible feeling, and I, I actually haven't felt it anywhere else, It's feeling like home and security and just being back in touch with nature. And for me, the skiing comes into it because you're just being able to experience it in a way that feels so fluid and in touch with it. It doesn't feel like you're clashing against that environment. It feels like you're really acting with it and for me that's a huge part of it all it just feels so natural
1: I really like it just feeling like home and like the freedom and everything what about you Georgie um for me being outside like I'm such an outside kind
2: of active person and I've been skiing since I was really young as well when I grew up in Switzerland um and for the mountain the mountains it's just like freedom and like being outside being in the cold air and doing something active for me is just it's just so natural. It's just something I've always done and it's just where I'm happy. So
1: I like that. Yeah, so how did you become a skier and have you been skiing yeah, for a so, long time?
2: Yeah, I've been skiing since I was three. My parents were expats for 18 years. So we grew up in Switzerland for five, which is where we kind of started skiing. And I've been skiing ever since, really. Yeah, so I went to school in Switzerland. My parents were expats, so I lived there for five years. And then, like, our school was really immersed in the um, skiing and racing and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't really stopped skiing since then.
1: And then, I guess, where do you live now? I know I know, you guys both living in the UK. Yeah. Where where do you both live? I should have asked this before, but... I live in the south, so in Bournemouth. And Ori, where do you live? I live... Up north. British
0: people would say it's just up north um, <laughs> in a place called Grimsby. And it's about as nice as it
1: sounds. Not much of a ski scene here, but it's plenty of outdoors, lots of space, and it's home. <laughs> nice. I mean, good you're both not stuck in the city. So, Ori, how did you become a skier? Slightly differently to GNOG was sort of like
0: out there in the mountains when she was in Switzerland and stuff. For me, it was just holidays with my family. My dad had sort of loved skiing since he was sort of a university age and he sort of wanted his family to grow up with that we just started going on the holidays and it became the main holiday we would go on because it was something that we all really enjoyed and we could do as a family get us outside and from there it sort of became the thing that we would regularly look forward to each year until I sort of went to university and they had a ski club which I was really surprised about I didn't actually know that you could ski in the UK but we have a lot of dry slopes a lot of indoor ski slopes so I started getting really involved with that doing a bit of the racing and it all sort of went from there
1: fun people that I've instructed with in Australia they like that have come from the UK will ski on the dry slopes it definitely yeah. is pretty different to skiing around on snow but I've never done it but yeah it's definitely different <laughs> <laughs> Are they open right now, the Dry Slopes, or are they closed? They're opening soon is what they're hoping. They're sort of
0: going to open up with all the gyms and stuff like that. So in the next couple of weeks or two, they're hoping to open it all up which is nice and good. There's a few that are already open. I don't know about you, Georgie, I've not got any near me, but I'm definitely hoping to
1: travel down and just sort of get my skis back on for it. So, okay, let's get back to the Ski Instructor Diaries. How did this all like come about? When did you two start? When did you decide to start? I think so we both kind of came back from our seasons, which
2: got cut short. And we both experienced the same like course and like all the information that came with that and then did our first season which we found both a bit intimidating to just go in from from the course to the season as was like we felt like there was a bit of gap in terms of like what to expect um and a whole whole load of range of things that we kind of didn't feel prepared for in a way so we spoke together and we both found out we had the same kind of issues and therefore we we thought we could help other people in the future going from what we did, help them for their first seasons and stuff like that. Okay,
1: so you both did the like ski instructor courses. Is that like the long ones, not just like doing the pure certification?
2: Yeah, we
0: both went to Argentina and our course was six weeks long. It was actually an Austrian course in Argentina, Yeah, but it was really amazing and I think we were both hoping to go to Japan afterwards, but it didn't quite work out for Georgie. <laughs> With the visas. Um, But yeah, it was a really good course and it was quite small, so we got to know everyone quite quickly, which was really nice.
1: And so you Uh, were in uh, Japan. Whereabouts were you working?
0: um, I was working at a little resort called uh, Sohoro and it was on the island of Hokkaido. So we got lots of snow all the time, which was really funny because they were saying, There's no snow this season, there's no snow. And I was standing there going, What do you mean there's no snow? This is the most snow I've ever
1: seen in my life but it was fantastic little resort definitely fell in love with it um i did a season in niseko for the 2015-16 season it was pretty fun lots of snow but yeah a bit more snow than the this past season that you just had japan was a good it was a fun experience So you had to come home in all of the COVID and everything? It was a bit odd, actually, because Japan
0: sort of got involved with it a bit earlier than Europe. So I've almost kind of been through, it feels like I've been through the whole COVID thing twice, because we had that sort of big rise of it in Japan. And a place I was working for, it was a hotel and a ski school combined. And we had a lot of measures put into place. So we were actually able to sort of hold on for nearly the whole season. So I ended up coming home early, not because the resort closed, but because of the flights. The UK was sort of saying, we're going to pass this law that will let us close the airports at any time we want to. And that was the issue for me. So I had to try and get home before they could pass that law, which in the end, they never put it into motion, which was kind of frustrating because I left a month early. But I didn't have health insurance once my ended so i kind of was didn't want to risk it
1: and georgie tells us how she had to come home in quite a hurry back to the uk from austria during you know all the covid time
2: our ski school was connected to a hotel and suddenly we got like 200 cancellations for our hotel um and then they were like the austrian government was basically like anyone who doesn't live in austria has to leave within 48 hours so our our season was cut short quite dramatically, and everyone was booking last-minute flights and stuff like that. So, yeah, I came home
1: uh, in March. <laughs> it was definitely a crazy time. I was in America, so it was like denial, 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 and then just like bam. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. You need to go home in like like a few days as soon as you can get on a flight, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get away from stupid COVID. <laughs> Like <laughs> destroying my life. Okay, so when did you both start instructing? You started instructing last year. It was when yeah. you did your course. Cool. So yeah. why why did you decide to become instructors? What was what was the draw? Um,
2: for me, I just finished my education and I really wanted to take a year out for myself and to pursue like the passions that I had. And I. To be honest, didn't really think about instructing until someone said, oh, you know, why don't you give it a go? I never thought like I could or like I wasn't good enough or I didn't really know how it all worked. So I did research into it and then I was like, actually, I think I could do this. And obviously the course will improve my skiing and everything like that. So then I kind of just fell into it. I didn't it it wasn't something I've always wanted to do. I just kind of went for it and loved it really do you think you'll go back to it
1: when the world gets a little bit more normal
2: definitely yeah I did one season obviously it was cut short and I feel like I've been given a taste and I want to go back and do more
1: Uh, what about you Ori how did you why did you decide to become an instructor a little bit of a oddish story with it in my
0: first year at university when I was in my ski club I actually had a really bad accident and I couldn't ski for three years I couldn't jump or walk properly or anything. Um, It was pretty life changing for that sort of period of time until I recovered. And I knew I wanted to get back onto the snow because it was something I'd been working so far so hard for because it was a ski accident as well. And I knew that when I wanted to go back to skiing, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it of where I knew I was going to be skiing safely with the correct technique because it was sort of stuff that I hadn't thought about When I was at uni and skiing at that level, I would just sort of saying, oh, I can ski. I think I'm a good skier. And the reality was my technique was pretty shocking back then. So I was kind of considering ways in which I could sort of reclaim that time on the mountain, but also know that I was skiing with the correct technique that I wasn't going to hurt myself. And I also really loved skiing and wanted to sort of share that with people. So if I took a course I could improve myself and sort of learn how to teach other people on how to love that mountain, get into it, but also how to stay safe with it all. And sort of at the start, I wasn't sure if it was going to be something I would stick with so long. I didn't really think that I'd be that good at it, to be honest. I especially thought I wasn't going to enjoy doing things like teaching kids. And then I started teaching and completely fell in love with it and even fell in love with teaching the little kids, which was really funny for a lot of people who knew me. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think there's, in terms of, like, being able to share your knowledge and your passion with people who might not realise that they really enjoy it or learn so much within a small space of time, I think there's something really special about our job.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, you two are kind of only really just starting, you know? Yeah. Only a couple (laughs) of seasons in, really. It definitely does get even better, like, as time goes by. So did you both spend a lot of time teaching kids this past season or was it a bit of a mix it was a mix um I was quite
2: lucky in terms of our hotel was um a five-star hotel so our clients were mostly private so I was either teaching kids one-on-one or adults as well so I was quite
0: lucky. For me, we had, when I sort of got to my resort at the start, they were kind of trying us out with every single class to see what we fit best with. And to my surprise and everyone else's, I was really good with the little kids. I think I sort of had that, I was the same height as them for one, um, and a little bit of playfulness. So I sort of bonded with those little ones quite well. And it sort of went from there I started getting some private lessons from it from the group lessons to the little kids and then sort of I'd be recommended from one family to another family to another family because the little kids really loved doing the lessons and stuff and I ended up sort of and specializing with the little kids and it really was the quite young one sort of three to five years old that I would teach most often.
1: Fun. I definitely cannot do the little kid thing all the time <laughs> these yeah. days. I've definitely like, done my time with the little snot balls.
0: I think it's, it's, it's funny though, because what I really love about teaching the really little kids is I found that as we get older, we almost get ashamed to be really having fun and to show that we're really enjoying something. And When I have a class of adults, like I, I enjoy teaching adults too, but they will be silent so much of the time. And they've got their buffs all the way up to like their eyes and the goggles down. And it's so hard to get feedback from them and find out like, if they're really enjoying it. And so much of the times I've thought, oh, they're not enjoying this lesson. Then I get to the end and they're all smiles and laugh- laughing. And I'm going, oh, I go, oh, I wish I knew earlier that you were enjoying yourselves. But with the little kids, when they enjoy something, they're so, so happy about it. And they'll be giggling and laughing. And they'll be screaming that they're having so much fun. And for me, that's just great because it's like, yes, we're having a great time. Let's enjoy this. And let's not be ashamed of the fact that we're having a good time. So I think that's why I really enjoy teaching the little kids is they're just not afraid to be who they are at that
1: age. Yeah, they're pretty fun. I mostly teach adults, especially in America, and they, they can just be so serious. And you're like, come yeah. on. We're just sliding down the hill. <laughs> what about you, G? What what sort of age groups and stuff do you like?
2: I've got like two favorite age groups. So I don't know why, but I was always put with like nine-year-old girls. I really like teaching kind of nine, ten, eleven kind of age because well, they're still young and they've got that kind of fearless attitude, which I think a lot of adult beginners lack. They kind of just want to get involved, want to go faster and whatever, and they they want to learn. And also you can have like a normal conversation with them I think like rather than the smaller smaller kids you kind of have to baby talk them a bit and you're in kindle and it takes them a while to understand like the movements and everything like that. So I really enjoyed teaching kids of that age but also I like teaching kind of older couples or women who are kind of nervous I found it really rewarding to kind of get them through that barrier of feeling nervous psychologically Um, to be able to ski I had a lot of clients who kind of came in even not even thinking they would be able to ski just kind of booked a couple of lessons just to see like what it was like and kind of left the week being like oh I can actually ski and I can do this whereas they came with no expectations
1: it's so funny with women and how they get so nervous that in that yeah. kind of like mid 30s and like upwards yeah. they're like exactly. so scared
2: where well, if you haven't been brought up like with it as in like being normal I think a lot of adults it is quite scary because it is an extreme sport obviously it's so different to any other sport I think adults get really nervous and kind of breaking that barrier for me probably the most rewarding thing that I
1: did this season. Nice. Um, so I wanted to ask you to a little bit more about the instructor diaries. Like, how's it all going so far? I guess you're, what, a little over a month into like launching it now? How's it all going? It's going really well. Um, I think it's actually taken us by
0: surprise at how well it has done. I don't know about you, G, but I kind of thought we were going to fly under the radar for quite a while just sort of building stuff up and obviously because we've not got the summer courses going on right now I was thinking maybe it won't be till sort of next winter when we get sort of instructors who are new to it looking at the website so I don't think either of us were expecting the sort of response that we got at the start and it's very quickly sort of keeps growing so we're getting like thousands of views on some of the articles and sort of sitting there going oh that's that's a lot of people. (laughs)
1: reading what we're putting out
0: there but it's actually been really fantastic because it's not just been people reading it and sort of site visits we've had a lot of people interacting with us and reaching out to say that they think what is being put on offer this sort of alternative material is really valuable and sort of quite hard-hitting for some instructors who are sitting there saying well because I wasn't at the level to access a lot of the material other organizations or groups were putting out they felt sort of not involved and now they feel like they are and they feel like their viewpoints and the sort of stuff that they were looking for is being provided and that's what it was all about for us it was sort of building that community up and it's so nice to see that happen so quickly frankly
1: yeah yeah I think maybe people have a little bit more time at the moment yeah (laughs) (laughs) sit down and read it as well um what about Jay do you have do you have anything to add to that yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like a two-way thing. For us, it's been
2: super fun to kind of build a website and to like have content out there for people to read. But then the flip side is we're getting loads of people come to us with like their experiences, or like we've got a one quick question every week, so we we're gathering like data for the industry, and people are commenting or they're. They, they want to come and do guest articles and stuff like that. So there's like a two-way thing where I feel like we're building a small community, which I think we wish we had before we started, to be honest, and to be able to help other people who are in our position. say when we started is, I think, something quite special. Like we want to help people.
1: I mean, I've been instructing for quite a few years now, but just like sitting, like flicking through a couple of the articles, I'm like, yep, I agree with that. Yep, I agree with that. Like, just to have that like kind of shared experience I think is really valuable I mean obviously I've never met you two before except for today yeah it's it's not just my friends and I sitting around talking about difficult kids and you know those kinds of things So I know that you're looking through your website. You both have some more plans for the website, I guess, in the future. Do you want to tell us about some of the plans for Ski Instructor Diaries?
0: Yeah. Um, So we just keep doing more and more um, until we can't do more with it. Short term, we have the exercise library. That should be coming out in the next sort of couple of weeks. And that's something that was really important for us to have on there. It's going to sort of be a database of exercises and drills that you could use in lessons and the entire point of it is that it's community-based so we don't put in the submissions ourselves but our community does and then we categorize them we help sort of neaten up the descriptions of it and upload them to this database and then it's completely free completely accessible and instructors can search for something so say they have a class of six to eight year olds who need to work on edge initiation getting the edging skills and their angling down they can search for that age group. They can search for that skill. If there's any props they had, they can search for that prop, and it will bring up a list of the exercises that will be suitable for that sort of lesson that our members have submitted. And I think that's really important because I didn't have anything like that. It was something that I really wanted. My handbook was in German, so the, the exercises that were in my handbook, I didn't, I couldn't really access. So I was struggling to find those sort of exercises and drills that could sort of help diversify my lessons and sort of take them up a notch when things weren't working. So that's something we're really excited to put out. And then there's guides and books, merchandise.
2: (laughs) Um, So when me and Ori started talking about this website, we kind of came it in two different ways but we kind of put them together so for me I think we talked a bit about how I found it quite psychologically reward like rewarding to help people with kind of nervous issues or whatever and I want to I'm in the process of like writing a book about kind of overcoming these issues and helping instructors as well because we get taught a lot in a course kind of how to teach someone to speak but we never get taught about kind of the psychological factors that you might come across like when it's icy or weather conditions and other factors that might come into play when teaching someone to ski. So yeah, I started writing a book about those kind of things.
1: That's so interesting. We actually, in my system, I'm part of the APSI, so the Australian system, and we do talk about it but it's very, like, it's just lightly touched on that that yeah, could be exactly a factor. That.
2: Also, when, you, when you've when you got someone on the mountain, I don't know about your course, but for us, it was very, like, this is the teaching method and this is how you go through the steps. But if you're stuck on a step because someone is in their head about falling or something like that, it, it's almost like you can't progress without touching on that kind of fear. For, for me, I think it's something I'm quite passionate about and I want to write and share those kind of things with people.
1: Definitely. And it sounds like you'll probably have people kind of contributing to the website and, you know, sharing their experiences. I know know I've definitely had a few people that have been pretty scared, either rationally or irrationally. And what you were saying, you were going to, you want to do like merchandise and all that sort of thing with it? It
0: sort of came about as me and G were sort of sitting there going, you know what, we'd really like our own little sweaters just with our little brand on. And we were sort of joking about that. And then a couple of people that we've sort of worked with and were talking about with it were going, oh, we'd love that kind of thing too. And we sort of seen there going, well, you know, a lot of the sites do do a little bit of merchandise on the side. It could be good. It could help support the running costs of the site because right now it's just me and G sat at home typing away. So we're not we're not making any money out of it at all. So we're sort of going, well, maybe it can just help cover the running costs in terms of the subscriptions for the domains and stuff. And then we sort of looked at doing that, put some ideas out online to see sort of what people were thinking with it. And we had a really good feedback from it, a really good response. A lot of people were saying, actually, yeah, we'd we'd like hoodies, we'd like water bottles, stickers, patches. So it's something that we're looking into. It's kind of hard to know with it all because you you can't know until you start putting Mm -hmm. it out there, really. Mm -hmm it's definitely something we're quite looking forward to because it would be nice to have something or it's like a little ski instructor merch of where you can sort of wear it a little bit of pride so yeah i'm a ski instructor this is cool Without it being, you know, your ski school's one or this or that or the other, you're not really meant to wear outside of lessons or something.
1: Yeah. Or like your system. Yeah. I know like we have merchandise for our like system, but I would never really wear it. <laughs> but some, <laughs> some people do. I mean, we do like, we wear like our buffs and that sort of thing. And I mean, it is like, it's pretty hard to monetize these things. I've been looking into it for quite a while like I started my podcast just over a year ago now obviously I'm not pumping out nearly as much content as you two are but everything like comes around where you're like okay well I have to pay for my business registration again I have to pay for my domain again and my website for the year and you know a new microphone or whatever you know it definitely does like add up so it would be good to have a little bit there and I think people like will want to support you I hope I think I think like what you you guys are doing is great yeah it would be nice as
0: well to sort of have that community gear that isn't about qualification bodies and stuff because I know that for a lot of our community they are so widespread around the world they have so many different qualification bodies and stuff that it's really important to us that this isn't like one nation or one qualifying body and that it's just all instructors all around the world so it would be nice to just have something where instructors can say yeah completely independent of everything else this is just everyone's
1: and do you two think you'll do certifications in other disciplines like snowboarding or whatever or just stick with the skiing for now
2: for me i'd like to try snowboarding i actually have never tried it but i think for me skiing is probably the only option at the moment
1: My my partner is a
0: snowboard instructor. Uh, That's dangerous. Trying to get me snowboarding. It didn't go so well. In all honesty, I actually cried. I cried on the beginner's slope because I was so terrified. It was actually a really good learning experience in terms of being able to relate that beginner's fear with my classes. A lot of the time they would be really scared and I wouldn't sort of understand why they were so scared. And then strapping that board on for the first time and feeling so helpless and rubbish at it, it kind of made me able to empathize with them a lot better so I'm not sure that snowboarding is in short-term future long-term I obviously would like to develop that skill especially because I want to be going higher up uh, the qualification sort of ladder and you do need a second skill at that point but I'm actually really interested in adaptive snow sports but it's finding somewhere where I could train in that because a lot of the resorts especially the ones that I've worked in they're small so they don't have an adaptive facility. They don't have that equipment. So I'd probably have to go somewhere larger to train in that and where it could be used.
1: I haven't done my adaptive certification, but we have, you know, there we have so many privates that go out for adaptive, and quite a few people get adaptive certified at my mountain each year, which is great. And they like cover all the different types of disabil- disabilities. It's definitely growing here in Australia. I'm not so sure about other places but yeah they have an adaptive program in Jackson as well but it doesn't seem as popular I think just because of the type of mountain it is. Well so maybe just tell me a little bit about you guys are reaching lots of different countries and everything is that correct? Yeah and yeah we are. What sort of feedback have you been getting? So we've had about which has been
0: really, really cool to see that spread and to get that wider range of feedback as well, because we've been getting it not just from our age group, which was sort of the age group we were expecting, but also from the sort of old generation, some people who had retired as instructors and just were reading it to see what was going on in the scene nowadays and sort of feel connected again. The main sort of feedback we've been getting is people, people are really thankful that it's there. And we actually get some quite, emotional feedback some of it sort of tugs on the heartstrings a little bit of especially the piece we did recently on job shaming for ski instructors it really resonated with a lot of people and we got a lot of feedback from that in terms of people messaging us saying you know it's something of where no one's been talking about it and we feel like we're having to sweep this issue under the rug and the fact that it's out there and people are talking about it now it's kind of making them feel more welcome even when they've been in the industry for years and years and years they're suddenly saying you know what I see my view represented now and I feel like I can offer my opinion on this and feel that bit more valued or feel that what I do is almost not acceptable but it's sort of more professional I guess because I know in terms of when we set up the website we were super shocked that there wasn't something like this already out there because if you search for I don't know a finance blog for people just getting into finance you search for normal teaching positions there's so much material and it sort of helps solidify this idea that that career is legitimate because it has this surrounding material on it and the fact that our industry didn't have that seemed really weird and for me it kind of felt like it was impacting my ability to say yes this is a very legitimate career it's not something that i'm just going to go and do for one season so the fact that now we have this that people are talking about it more there's more resources it's helping people say yes th- this is legitimate this is something that i can do here's other people who have done it here are the people you are doing it and see what the experience is really like.
1: Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that article. I read it the other day. I've been instructing for five years, back to back seasons. So I was just about to go into my 11th season right now. I've climbed through the levels and the experience, and but people still question me. They still question like my job, my career path, like why. Like, yes, I went to university and did a double degree. But during that time, I was also like doing everything with skiing and getting to a stage where like skiing could just be my thing. I don't really need the rest of it. Some people think, oh, it's so cool. Like you're a ski instructor. How long are you going to do it for? you're like, well, I actually like could keep doing this. And then like I can completely understand like some of my friends – that only, that only did a season or two and they just really wanted to gather those valuable life experiences that you get as an instructor even if you only do it for a season or two it's like the people skills that you pick up ski instructing is like so valuable
0: absolutely you know it makes me laugh when people say oh it's this dream job you must be on holiday all the time it's like absolutely i am in a holiday location all the time you are correct but i'm not on holiday this is actually a job that when you especially do it properly it's not easy there's so many different attributes that come into it that so many other jobs don't have you know for one we're outside all the time we have to deal with that we have to deal with different people every day we are essentially athletes we're always working making sure that our bodies are in correct condition and looking after other people's bodies and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it the exams it, it costs so much money to get qualified And I think people miss that fact. They just see a lot of people going off and going, oh, well, I'm going to go be a ski instructor. And they don't actually see the amount of work that has to go into it all, which I think is a shame because we all work really, really hard, you know, from day one trying to get qualified. And I think that we should be proud of that fact and not sort of being told, oh, you're on holiday all the
1: time. (laughs) That was a really sore point for me in the first couple of years, particularly because I live in a part of Australia that has no snow so people are always like oh you're just going to the snow again I don't know how you can go on holiday for months and months at a time I'm working (laughs) do you want to look after a bunch of four-year-olds all day (laughs) (laughs) I barely had my skis on all week in the beginning yeah I get to ski a lot but yeah do you have anything to add to that yeah I guess people unless you've done it you don't really
2: understand and and I think people also can be jealous, like, yes, we're not on holiday, but we get to ski every day and do our passion. I think a lot of people are too scared to pursue their passion in life and perhaps are jealous that we do. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the jealousy is definitely a thing. And even just talking to family, they're like, oh, it's all right for some. And you're like, well, you made your choices. Even like I wrote a blog on my personal blog the other week and I sent it to a friend because they were asking about like they wanted to read something that I had written and I said in one of the lines in my blog post I said something along the lines of like ski instructing is a real job something something and like he quoted me and then like threw it back at me and was like ski instructing (laughs) is not a real job and I'm like yes it is (laughs) And you know how hard I work. You've seen me out there in my, like, uniform with the little brats. I think it is
0: really funny how often it comes up. It's very sad, but it's also quite funny because they don't know what it's like all these people that are saying this and if you said oh I'm a maths teacher that's acceptable that's a proper job you say I'm a ski teacher and suddenly oh you're on holiday all the time and it it really does make me laugh because people tell us to go like there's that quote of go find a job you love you'll never work a day in your life but it actually comes with this whole clause of conditions that also have to be met and that's just ridiculous it's just not true like Go find the job you love. Full stop. That's it. That should be the end of the sentence. You know, it's I don't really understand why people put themselves through jobs they hate if they have another choice. And I recognize that I'm very lucky to have been able to go and to train and to go and do this but I also think a lot of people do have the option they're just afraid they're afraid to sort of step back from it all and say actually I want to change something because I'm not happy with what I'm doing and that applies sort of all jobs and changing to whatever job I think people nowadays are very afraid to step away from a routine they've built themselves and maybe work that they've put in for themselves I know for me I worked for four years on a maths and physics degree and I'm not using that now and
1: you could be a maths teacher (laughs)
0: I can definitely be a math teacher (laughs) but yeah it there's a lot of people especially ski structures with degrees and academia they get a little bit more stick I find because people say oh well you wasted your time you wasted that money on it all and I don't think I wasted my time I don't think I wasted my money I I have the qualification I have the knowledge I just recognized that I didn't want to do that anymore I wanted to do something else which you know for me was more important than sticking with something I didn't enjoy
1: for sure um what about you g what do you think
2: it's similar like when i finished my degree and i kind of told people what i was going to do next i was like oh okay but like i don't think people really understand sometimes like if you've got a passion and you want to follow it and if that makes you happy then you should just go for it and i
1: think i agree with Ori in terms of a lot of people are afraid to go for it definitely like i guess with the way that the world is right now like i know that i left america like totally in tears because I was leaving the job that I loved the place that I loved being <laughs> with like no like it was like why am I leaving again like I don't want to leave and my visa I was supposed to be able to stay <laughs> but anyway um, I had a longer visa long story short and like that in itself you know you feel like You feel so isolated because you feel like no one else feels like this until you do start to talk to your friends about it and i know you know a couple of months past like quarantine a couple of months ago a friend said to me like out of the blue just in a message and was like sitting in sydney and they were just like i realize now that i'm getting to spend time with my friends again here in the city they hate their jobs they hate their lives and I'm sitting here and I love my job and I love my life and I just wanna get back to it and I'm not allowed to do it. I'm like, why do these friends of mine, particularly like you're all coming from a similar circle usually, they're always like jealous or why are you doing that? When are you gonna buy a house? Blah, blah, blah. But then they're so miserable and I face <laughs> the exact same thing here. But yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting lifestyle. I like, I appreciate that not everyone is actually cut out to be a ski instructor but the flack that people like you would never question someone for being an accountant you know I wouldn't maybe I would because I'm a ski instructor and that's way more fun but yeah (laughs) this has been fun I really enjoyed chatting to you too yeah that was great thank you yeah I actually think this will be really like good for you guys that you know, Maybe some people in Australia will be able to listen to this, and because I know that a lot of my friends will probably connect with some of the things that you two have been writing. And how many guests have you had so far? Just one, from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, we've had the one guest author. We've got about four or five who are currently working on pieces for us as well. So we're hoping to sort of keep that number up. We really like having those guest pieces and just having lots of different points of view on that.
1: Cool. And sure. if people want to contribute, they can just go to your website, and I'll put all that in the show notes and everything. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: There's a, a section on the website for community, and under that, you can press contribute, and then it will email. You can email us through that.
1: So, we've talked about quite a few different things, but is there anything that you two would like to talk about, or you'd like to ask me, or anything? No, I think we've
2: said everything kind of that we wanted to. I think it's been a great chat. And um, thanks so much for
0: having us. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. It's It's been really nice to connect with someone else, sort of working on this side of ski instructing stuff in terms of communication side of it all, because there isn't that many of us, I don't think. And it's been really nice to have a chat with you and meet you. So thank yeah, you
1: for that. it's been yeah. fun. I mean, what I do, it's a little bit different. I don't usually focus wholly on the skiing or the instructing yeah. side of things, but I love to like, mix it in there because I am a ski instructor. And yeah, yeah, after all these years, it's a real job. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a wrap on my episode with Georgie and Ori about the Ski Instructor Diaries. I've put a link to their website and Instagram in the show notes so you can all follow along and see what they've been doing. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Mountain Cosmos so you don't miss an episode because I have a bit of a tendency to publish a little bit randomly and I would love it if you could share the podcast with someone who you think might like a little listen and if you have Apple podcasts and if you have time please leave a rating or a review it'll help people find the Mountain Cosmos also go and give the Mountain Cosmos a follow on Instagram we can always do with a little bit more love and if you aren't an Apple user and you want to send me a message you can always message me through my website or Instagram see you for now guys Yes.